the command is earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And desire is something we can all obey today. Yes. It's a posture of, I, I want this, I'm asking, I'm seeking, like you said, waiting on the Lord, which is different than if the command was prophesy and somebody's going, I, I can't, I don't have anything to, right. you know, like the desire is to receive from God empowerment by his spirit to build up the body. And so really it's, everybody should come into every gathering with that attitude. I want to be used by God to build up the church. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Gruden. I'm one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined this morning with my dear friends Ryan Chase, another pastor at Emmaus, and Caleb Dernberger, uh, one of the pastoral residents and leads our music team and just dear friends. So this morning, we are going to gather, and just to show what kind of professional outfit we have, we're once again in my kitchen, (laughs) around my table, uh, in the middle of the day, and so if you hear Ted barking, just nobody panic. Caleb, don't panic. What okay. is a Ted? Hard to say, really. It's hard to say what he is, but he's here, and hopefully he's going to take a nap. Man. <laughs> but if he doesn't, nobody freak out. Um, but someday, maybe, we have dreams of being in a more permanent space. And But it, until then, there, you know, it keeps us... There's, there's no illusions that this is a professional production. So uh, anyway, so this morning, we're going to gather and try and discuss... Um, and kind of wrap up where we left off. Um, we tried really hard to do the the doctrine of, or pneumatology, the doctrine of the of the Holy Spirit in one shot, and we almost got there. But then we realized, well, Ryan, you realized we were at thirty five minutes and hadn't and yeah, and gotten I think everything. You threw out yet. a question like, so what do we mean by prophecy? And well, I, that was one of our bumpier <laughs> landings. You know, <laughs> it <laughs> really was. It really was. So. Here we are trying to take another run at it, and this part, this time, this part two, we're going to try and focus particularly on kind of the more remarkable, uh, miraculous gifts, if you will. So uh, I'm going to read a, a particular sentence in the Statement of Faith from the Empowering Ministry of the Spirit, section two, the gifts of the Spirit, um, and I'll just, uh, I'm going to jump in in the middle of that paragraph, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So... Statement reads, the variety of these gifts, some permanent and some occasional, some more natural and some more remarkable, reflects the diversity of the members of Christ's body and demonstrates our need for one another. Hmm. So I think we're going to take some time here and just answer and think about that, especially that phrase in the middle there. Some of these gifts are more remarkable. Uh, Ryan, help us out. What, what, is it, what is that talking about? What do we mean by that? And how are we to think about that? Yeah, we know from lists of gifts in scripture that there are gifts like administration, where uh, it, it is a spiritual gift. The spirit of God is active, empowering somebody for that. Mm. But it seems more ordinary or natural to us when somebody's a good 
administrator. We want to give credit and glory to God because it's the Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. You can think of in the book of Exodus, where we're preaching right now, uh, when God gives instructions for the tabernacle, he also provided people in the camp who had skill in metalworking and embroidery and all of these things. And so God says, you know, Bezalel is right here. Use him. I have gifted him for this. And that would be a more natural, you know, we can recognize talent, but it seems more natural to us when somebody has talent, like maybe they've had a lot of experience and practice in that area. So again, right to give God credit and glory for that. By spiritual gifts that seem more remarkable to us, that's more a description of the effect that they tend to have on us because it doesn't seem so obvious to us. How is that happening? Right. Uh, how, how did somebody know that? Or, or how did how did they do that? Uh, and, and so those are the gifts that seem more miraculous or mm-hmm. remarkable to us. And in that realm, we would think of probably the gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, when Paul is describing to one person is given through the Spirit. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 8, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues. So things like miracles, healing, prophecy, tongues, those seem more remarkable to us. And those are the ones that tend to be the most controversial Mm. or divisive, where people kind of fall on one of two sides, either those just don't happen anymore. You know, nobody has a problem with saying the spirit still today gifts people to preach or to teach or to lead or to administrate, but does the spirit still gift people to heal or Mm -hmm. to perform miracles or to speak a word of of prophecy? So that's what we mean when we're talking about more remarkable gifts. And why do you guys think, why is there a hesitancy towards that. Maybe we just try and diagnose and because I think you're right. I think there is just a natural skepticism that arises yeah. when talking to like just even from that list of that you read from first Corinthians 12. Um, why is there, or what, what, what's behind that idea of skepticism towards, well, that seems odd. Yeah. Mm. I think to put it in the best light uh, and to not assume you know, wrong motives, but really genuine motives. It, the concern at the root does seem to be a desire to uphold the sufficiency and the authority of scripture. Mm. And so oftentimes the understanding or the assumption is, well, if God's spirit is working in these ways, giving a revelation, uh, a word of prophecy to somebody today, that would undermine the authority of scripture that would threaten the sufficiency of scripture you know, by sufficiency. We mean God's word is enough for us. That that's what we need in order to know God and to understand the gospel. But then this introduces this other category of kind of subjective revelation. Um, and it, it, you know, the concern is that would be on par with scripture. And so when you are convinced from the Bible itself, that the word of God is authoritative complete, sufficient, that is um, troubling, obviously. And I, mm-hmm. and, I, and I would say understandably so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that checks out as far as like my experience of my skepticism towards continuationists is uh, for sure there was a theological confusion of what you just described of the authority of scripture, the sufficiency of scripture. Are you saying that, uh, that we need something else um, mm-hmm. in order to 
for, for life and godliness, but also just, I think there's this other category of just, just a genuine skepticism to all things mysterious. Hmm. Um, True. Just mm-hmm. wanting to say, just like, I think that's a product of our humanist society, our skeptical, mm. modern, Rash- rationalist. rationalist. If I can't make sense of it, it's not true. Uh, and so then if I can't make sense of it and it seems to be happening and some people believe this, there must be some devious motives behind it uh, would be the, mm-hmm. the not charitable way <laughs> to view it. But I think, I think that's a genuine question that uh, people who would disagree with where we land here might have is like, well, we've seen that also. Are you talking about like the TV evangelists who are just manipulating people for right. money? Mm-hmm. Is that is that it just feels like that is a slippery slope leading in one direction. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, well, yes, we can say it, but the fact that we can call that an abuse means that we have some category of what yeah. the standard is. And the standard is mm-hmm. this word. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in and, and continue on in reading in the in our statement of faith, because I think it kind of clears the air here. It says, so after the, uh, some more occasional, some more natural, some more remarkable, it goes on to say the gifts are not to be exercised with apprehension, pride, or disorder, but with faith, love, and order. And here's importantly, and always in submission to the authority of scripture as the final revelation of God, with the exception of those among the apostles who were commissioned as eyewitnesses of Christ and key phrase, and made recipients of normative revelation, the full range of spiritual gifts remain at work in the church. So what does that mean? (laughs) What is that phrase, normative revelation? Um, Because cessationists would argue that with the closing of that normative revelation, which we would agree with, well, that's when all the remarkable gifts ceased. That's why they would be called cessationists. So uh, I just think that's just such a helpful cat or a helpful uh, clarification that the statement makes. So Ryan, yeah. help us think through that. Yeah, normative revelation is revelation from God that is normative, that it sets the norms, it sets the standards. Um, it is for all people at all places in all times. And we see in scripture that it was God's purpose to speak through the apostles. Jesus, in particular, when you go and read in John 14 and John 16, and he's promising after I leave, I'm going to pour out my spirit and the spirit is going to remind you of all the things that I've said that, you know, it's a comforting promise to us today to know what the spirit can bring to mind for us scripture Mm. that we've read or heard or memorized or whatever. But in particular, Jesus was talking to those apostles Mm. and referring to the work of the spirit to inspire them to write down what he had said and done and to teach that to others. And so we have a recorded, preserved, standard, authoritative revelation from God, inspired by the Spirit through those disciples who were the ones who passed on to the whole world, including Mm. to us today, the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the application of the teachings of Jesus through those epistles that were written. So that's normative revelation. That's God's word for all people at all places and all times. And that revelation is authoritative and sufficient normative, like we're saying here. Um, and, and, and nothing else uh, ever trumps that. Yeah. N- nothing else is ever held up above that. N- nothing added else compares. It. Nothing's added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. That's scripture. That's God's word to and us. So what you're saying is we would agree with cessationists that that normative revelation yes. is closed. Yes. So mm-hmm. with, the, with the final formation of the canon and 
that was a closing, that, that was a ending of that type of revelation, this authoritative for all people, all times, yeah. everywhere. And the reason why is because of the work of Christ, right. that it, the nature of Christ's work, Hebrews 1 says, and in various times and different times throughout history, God has spoken to our forefathers through different prophets and through different means. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in really a culminative sense, a yeah. concluding sense in the person of Jesus. So with the closing of that canon, because of Christ's redemptive work, it, it we no longer receive that type of revelation. That's just such an important distinction. Yeah. When we talk about prophecy, when we talk about the, what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 12 and so on is is not that type of revelation, not the type that is true for all people that carries that authoritative necessity, uh, necessary, sufficient, and clear. Yeah. Um, and it's important too, I think after Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 12, all those spiritual gifts that Ryan, that you read, verse 11 is really important. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. So rather than being, well, Caleb, you just have this gift just out of your constitution just because you're just that kind of person. No, rather the spirit's the one who's actually working through as he wills. And then he goes, who appropriates to each one individually, key phrase, as he wills. Mm -hmm. So they are supernatural, spiritual, literally gifts of the spirit. Of the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, it's just helpful for me to remind myself of that. And then also to have this kind of wider view of like, well, if there's going to be any progress in my faith, I need a supernatural work of God to produce that which I can't produce. Yeah. My very nature is such that I don't want to be loving or charitable or hospitable or all the rest. I want to look after me. And yet, if I, if I experience any of that, it's because they are supernatural works of God through His mm. Spirit producing spiritual fruit in me. Um, so that, that, I don't know, that just kind of helps me conceptualize that. And so mm -hmm. as the church then, and Caleb, maybe I'll ask you this, like how, how should we then fan into flame, if you will, these gifts at like in a, like in a gathering setting? Mm -hmm. well, how, how for you who, cause you lead us in worship. You, you're the one who kind of marches us through this gospel story every Sunday. Um, mm. How does that land on you as you think through that? Yeah. I was just thinking as you guys are talking to, you know, the the one gift that does come up in this realm that a lot maybe people have a lot of hesitancy with based off of convictions or past experiences is prophecy um and there's a wide range there but it's interesting that when Paul is addressing that especially that gift you know even in like 1 Corinthians 14 where he's saying pursue love you know and he's and he's encouraging people to actually prophesy mm. even in that context where there's a lot of highlighting of that gift what is Paul's main objective in that letter? It, it's more, it's the unity of that church. It's not mm -hmm. just like, I want to get this right here and let's just get prophecy right because let's do that. No, it's because it's impressive. It's, it's so or... much, it's so much bigger than that actually. And that's the unity of the church. And so when I think that's something that I'm mindful of is when we're thinking through all these gifts, it, it's not just about, you know, we can get honing up just so much in on that and it just kind of undermines what God says about these gifts, which is the unity of his church, the, 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 the display of his church to the world. Um, and that's what you were getting at, Matt, of these gifts are not for the sake of making much of the gift or the person with the gift, but the perfect one who gives mm. the gift. Yeah. Um, 
So what was your question? Again? Well, I'm just, <laughs> how does that, which is exactly right. That's so well said is, is the, the purpose of Paul's letter in first Corinthians is not to write this dissertation on this, these nuanced theological categories. He does that brilliantly because that's who Paul is. Mm-hmm. But his purpose in writing this is to a letter of a struggling church that is in disunity, is in the midst of, of different sins, sexual sins throughout their city. And he's calling them to be unified and to live in harmony with one another. And when you do that, things happen. When there is spiritual people put together, things come out. And the purpose of the spirit dwelling in their midst is the thing that will unify them. Mm -hmm. And it actually is operational. It actually gets stuff done. It's actually discernible and and, and people change. And that comes out in just spiritual things. So I guess what I first asked was, for us now, because everything you just said was fantastic. For us now, when we gather on a Sunday, mm-hmm. um, how what are where are the opportunities for us to ask God to work His Spirit into to manifest His Spirit among us? Yeah, I mean that starts in the preparation, and I think this was said last time. We are spiritual people. Mm-hmm. We should never think of ourselves as not like, you know, some people might, or some people have this better, <laughs> more, mm-hmm. I don't know vibe than others. No, we are spiritual people because God has made us alive by his spirit and he fills us with his spirit and his presence, his spirit is the distinguishing mark of the people of God. So especially when we gather, that should be evident, that is evident, and that's evident in the way that we we uh, we serve in the strength that he supplies. So um, I think when we think of our Sunday gathering, we, we should never think of it first and foremost as something that falls just on the shoulders of like two or three people, um, though there are greater responsibilities there, nor should it be something like, I would never want a a, a member of our church to think like, I have nothing to contribute. So there is, you know, when Paul is, again, giving a command in 1 Corinthians 14, which is to to pursue, uh, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, that is something for every Christian to mm-hmm. take seriously and, and think and, and, and contemplate and think, ask, how can I obey this command today? Open, I mean, it starts with this humility of God, how would you use me today? How would you use me as maybe the one leading the singing? How would you use me as a pastor facilitating this piece? How would you use me as a mother of small children mm. <laughs> who's been indwelt with the spirit yeah. to use gifts today? I think starting there, and I think that that takes just beforehand, there's a preparation. And I know, especially as we're speaking towards these remarkable, more miraculous, you know, giftings of prophecy or words of wisdom or healing and stuff like that, those who those who have exercised that gift in the past and do regularly, it's not just because they're sitting on their hands and there's like, oh, all of a sudden, like, psh, they got zapped by lightning or yeah, something like that. There's a, there's a preparation, I think, that's been seen in the last few weeks as this um, this course seminar has been happening. There's a lot of time being given beforehand just to pers- just pursue, like, mm-hmm. waiting on God. How would you use me? And waiting and, 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 and seeing. And I think along with that, just while we're on on that topic of prophecy too. And while we're on the topic of how, you know, how should this be utilized? Paul is encouraging this. Paul is, Paul saying, because God is saying, pursue this. Um, he's saying, I think of a text like first Thessalonians 520 says, do not despise prophecies, but, but, but there's also something else along with the encouragement. There's also the, the testing of it. It says, do not test everything. Hold, um, 
we should never think of this thing as just, uh, all right, let it fly. Here right. we go. Um, that, that goes back to maintaining the unity of the church, mm. the order within the church. That falls on the responsibility of the elders. Um, and so, yeah, ha- having having that framework too, when we think of prophecy, it's not like, okay, some crazy stuff's going to happen today and it's just going to be whatever it is. No, there is order because there are trusted men who I've been, who have been, uh, who have been given the responsibility of of leading the church in such a way that that there should not be any parts where we're like skeptical of mm. wow that was not that was not done well, mm. um, <clears throat> so yeah I think that, well that that, that should yeah. maybe gets us started no, that's, but I, I think well you guys said, can yeah. add to that well it stands out to me that the command is earnestly desire spiritual gifts and desire is something we can all obey today. Yes. It's a posture of, I, I want this, I'm asking, I'm seeking, like you said, waiting on the Lord, which is different than if the command was prophesy and somebody's going, I, I can't, I don't have anything to, right. you know, like j- the desire is to receive from God empowerment by his spirit to build up the body. And so really it's, everybody should come into every gathering with that attitude. I want to be used by God to build up the church, to strengthen the faith of others. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul says, what then brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, let all things be done for building up. So he's painting this picture of the church where Caleb, like you were saying, it's not just two or three people up front doing everything and everybody else spectating, watching, but when the church gathers, everybody's coming together. He says, when you come together, each one has something different mm-hmm. to bring, to contribute, that's going to build others up. That could just be personally one-on-one in the conversation with somebody before or after the service. It, it could be up front, one of the ways we make room for ministry prophecy that God might work through the church is by having up front a, a microphone available. We call that the ministry mic or the prophecy mic. I think backing up just to define prophecy, we've kind yeah. of talked about what is not, right. not normative revelation. Um, and anybody who thinks kind of in terms of prophets, Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, right. people standing up saying, thus says the Lord, and here, here's an oracle from God. Th- that prophecy had uh, a weight and an authority to it. It's preserved for us as scripture. Yeah. Our use of the word, as we understand the New Testament gift, differs from that. And this is where it gets into some debate. Some people might reject this understanding and say, no, that's that's not right. But there seems to be something here that's different than that kind of Old Testament prophecy. The apostles in the New Testament seem to be comparable to the Old Testament prophets. But the gift of prophecy, as Paul talks about it, which he does command believers in Corinth, we don't know any of them, we don't have any recorded prophecies from the church in Corinth in scripture for us. Um, We also have this command Caleb mentioned in 1 Thessalonians, where Paul's telling the church there in Thessalonica, do not despise prophecies. So again, why would, we tend to think, New Testament church, this just must have been normal, commonplace, everybody was fine with it. Why would Paul have to give a command to a local church, like, do mm-hmm. not despise prophecies, unless mm-hmm. some people were going, you know, this is kind of weird, we're not really sure what to do with this, right. yeah. let's just shut that down, Sounds be like safer us. not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that was already happening then. Likewise, at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul wraps up this section and says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Well, again, why would he have to give that command, unless some people were going, you know, th- this does have a tendency sometimes to get out of control and seems a little weird and makes some people uneasy. I know what we could do. We could just 
shut it down, shut forbid it, down. it all. And, and so Paul has a command like, do not forbid. So it's, it's really out of our respect for the authority of God's word that we see those commands, mm. do not despise prophecy, do not forbid speaking in tongues. And we say, those are authoritative commands to us from the sufficient word of God, from, from scripture. And I think we have a clue as to how this function in the church in 1 Corinthians 14 when Paul's kind of, he's contrasting tongues, which is speaking in a language he's assuming, if nobody knows what you're saying, that's not building anybody else up. And his operating principle is everything should be done for building up the body. But he says in verse 23, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? What's that going to look like to outsiders if they come in and people are just speaking in gibberish to them? But verse 24, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Mm -hmm. So this does seem to be a more remarkable gift. It does seem to be evidence of the fact that God is actually powerfully, dynamically present among these people. And verse 25 talks about a situation where an unbeliever, the secrets of his heart are yeah. disclosed. So, so there is some revelation of something where he's going, how did you know that? Mm-hmm. And th- this is, I think, one of my favorite examples to point to is Charles Spurgeon, who probably wouldn't have called himself a continuationist, but he certainly was empowered by the Spirit with gifts where whatever other people might call it, we would say, well, that's what we think the New Testament gift of prophecy is. So... Spurgeon tells a story that he was preaching and in the middle of preaching, a thought struck him that there was somebody there in the audience and and he had a very specific thought about uh, a shopkeeper who had uh, defrauded a client that week, overcharged them, didn't return the money. And he had a specific amount, dollar amount in his mind and he said it. Well, it turns out there was somebody there who was visiting the church (laughs) who came up to him afterwards and said, that was me. Mm -hmm. I did that. I've never met you before. How did you know that? Mm-hmm. And Spurgeon says, I could tell you many such stories, M- moments where suddenly he had an impression, subjective thought goes through his mind. Somebody sitting here right now is in the middle of an affair and they are unrepentant and you know, says that out loud. And sure enough, some guy sitting in the back corner of the balcony comes up to him later and says, how did you know? <laughs> I you know, wandered in here today and am in the middle of an affair and and, and he's convicted. Like, that's exactly what Paul's describing mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians 14. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, what do we do with that? Is that normative revelation for mm-hmm. all churches and all Christians everywhere? We got to have this written down that this shopkeeper in England back in whatever year overcharged somebody by right. six pence. No, that, that doesn't have Helpence. to be added to the Bible. But it, it was a subjective thought or impression came into Charles Spurgeon's mind. He spoke that, it's confirmed, and 1 Corinthians 14, 25 happens. The secret of somebody's heart are disclosed, and falling on his face, he worships God and declares, God is really among you. Hmm. So we're dealing in that realm of sometimes we know things because we read it, or somebody told us, or we studied it, or whatever. That A sermon is that way. You know, we, we prepare, we put a lot of thought and preparation, do a lot of study of God's word, check out commentaries, prepare a sermon with an outline and notes and whatever. And we give that. And and God speaks through his word in that way. There are other times where somebody might come to know things in what we would say seems to be a more remarkable way where they didn't learn it. Nobody said it to them. The the other example I I like to give is, um, say you get a missionary's email newsletter that says, 
there's unrest in this country where we're serving and there's trouble here, pray for us. Okay, that's one way you could learn that those missionaries you support are in trouble and you pray for them and God can work through that. But we've also heard stories throughout church history of people just attesting, I, I woke up in the middle of the night suddenly with a strong burden to pray for somebody and this thought in my mind that they were in trouble. <laughs> no no email, no phone call, no didn't come through natural means like that, just a, a subjective thought, only to find out later from that person at that very moment they actually were in trouble. And and what do you do with that? Do you, do you say, well, that must have been a demon because you know the Spirit of God doesn't do that? No, <laughs> we would want to give credit and glory right. to God for mm-hmm. working in that way. Mm-hmm. So we're dealing in that realm of what do you do when a thought, an impression, uh, a word comes to your mind only to be confirmed later. Mm-hmm. And you go, that was actually true. And I, had, I, I didn't have any other natural way of knowing that. This is not on the level of scripture, but we do have a category for saying God can work that way as he's pleased to. We don't control it. We don't manipulate the spirit, but we are commanded in scripture to desire that and to be mm-hmm. open to it and to test it. Mm-hmm. And so we right. would put up safeguards against, you know, no, nobody should get up and say, thus said the Lord, you know, God said to me that you're going to marry so-and-so, or you're going to die tomorrow. Or, you know, those are things where we would just say, uh, no, no, that, that is not edifying the body. That's not building people up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've had it recently, um, on a Sunday morning where somebody has an impression, uh, you know, there may be somebody with this kind of pain or this kind of circumstance or situation. And then come to find out later, there was somebody there that day who said that, Mm -hmm. I think that was me. (laughs) Uh, And and it's just a remarkable communication of God's presence with us. God knows our situation. He knows what we're in the midst of, and he wants to communicate his presence to his people in those dynamic ways as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So it, it does not undermine scripture. Yeah. It does not replace scripture. Um, these are not revelation of, you know, something that was essential to salvation. Like everything necessary for salvation is revealed in scripture mm-hmm. to know the gospel, to know God, to know what he requires of us. So again, the only authoritative commands that any of us can ever receive or submit to come from the Bible. Mm-hmm. N- nobody can stand up and say, thus says the Lord, I have a word from God for you. You're supposed to do this. That, that has no authority. And if you don't, you right. sinned. Right. right. Yeah. Yep. It just yeah. had no authority. So we're, we're just dealing in a different realm, not authoritative, yeah. <laughs> um, not, it, not on that level. Yeah. I, I think there's a critical component to that you guys have talked about in a little bit, but I want to highlight it is um, it's one thing to desire it. Uh, and then one to experience it where you actually do have that impression there's a really critical component of like just having faith to act, yes. faith yes. to speak, faith to say to somebody, ah, it's going to sound weird, <laughs> but I had this picture of whatever, of a broken arm it, or do you know somebody who's struggling with this that needs prayer or whatever, just, or waking up in the middle of the night, feeling that impression and then not saying why well, I must've eaten some weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many of us are kind of inclined just to be like, well, that was a weird thought rather right. than yeah. maybe God is helping right. me to pray. So I should pray. And I think that's, that's part of that. It doesn't just strike us and then and immediately I, I, I will act. It rather, I think it comes from just time of, of being in God's word and in a, I don't know how to say, a spiritual maturity of being able to, to take it and then act and yeah. in faith and to step, put your neck out there and, and to do it knowing again, having that category where we want to be like the Bereans who test everything by the scriptures in Acts 17, that when they hear it, 
they know what the final authority is. So they hear from this Paul, all this stuff. Well, they go to the scriptures to see is what he's saying true or not. We want to have that posture to safeguard it because we, because of our, our, our devotion to the su- supremacy and authority and all the rest of scripture. And yet that same word now has commands like pursue, mm-hmm. earnestly desire spiritual yeah. gifts, especially that you might prophesy. So it's just, we just, I ask for myself that God, would you give me that desire? Mm. Would you, and not just the desire, but also the faith to act, the yeah. faith to say to, to somebody, I'm just, I've had this impression may not be true or not, but, mm-hmm. and then just, and then to act that, and then to see God work yeah. and to see God build up his church. That, that's encouraging for the whole body. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, one last thought. Um, I think all of that is excellent. That should be our desire. And I think it's possible for everybody in our church to lean in, to desire, to pray, to ask, to hope, to wait on God, just ask, is there anything you'd bring to my mind that would build up the body? Uh, a word I could share with somebody, um, something that would move me to pray or speak with the spirit inspired way that would, uh, bless the church. I, I think cessationists have an appropriate regard for, there, there are very severe warnings in the old Testament about false prophets. Oh, yeah. And and that usually comes up in this conversation, like the death penalty is the Old Testament yeah. punishment for false prophets. And that is one reason that as we think about this, we just have this category for non-authoritative, subjective thoughts or impressions that should not be delivered in that kind of thus says the Lord way. Um, so was it the last election, some charismatic, whatever, you know, um, I don't remember who it was, but there, somebody was making prophecies about Trump is going to win. <laughs> that, that would be a clear example of false prophet. Right. <laughs> he's making these promises. He's saying that he's had some revelation from God. People who are susceptible to that kind of thing are duped by it and think, mm-hmm. well, this, this guy has a word from God. They get their hopes wrapped around that. Didn't pan out. Didn't and rather happen. questioning the prophet, maybe questioning, well... Right. God? Yes. Yeah, detrimental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is that is destructive. That is not helpful. And, and that's why, you know, uh, the way that we have that ministry mic available, it's not an open mic time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always an elder next to that mic. If somebody has a thought, they can come and th- there's a way for the body of Christ to participate in the Sunday gathering. Caleb is attentive to that elder. If it gets his attention, the music might die down. We can make room for somebody to share something. But that elder is going to filter that. So we're not going to, we're just not going to tolerate or make room for those kinds of <laughs> predictions about right. the future or right. those kinds of things. Um, but it's a different thing in, in the realm of, it, it may be that somebody has a thought and it just was their thought and it wasn't inspired by the spirit. Mm. But I, I don't think they're under that, um, that category of false prophet if they're saying, I had this thought, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> which is different than thus says the Lord. Right. I'm saying God said this and, 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 and it doesn't pan out. That, that's different. Right. Mm-hmm. And if that person's encouraged, the good news is, is, well, it's not because of me. <laughs> it's right. because of what God has done. Um, but if it, you know, if it doesn't land or something, you know, it, well, I don't think that that's talking. Well, okay, move on. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, and I think that's, again, What's required, most of all, at least in my soul, is is the faith to to just trust that God could use me. He he could use others. Other he's he has used others to build me up and to encourage me through this through this operation of these gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I just, I want to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that I might prophesy yeah. um, and build up the body. So That's any good. last words or have we concluded? I, I think we can bring this one into land. Okay. Excellent. Well, man, this has been fruitful as always to meet with you guys. And uh, especially this one, just the fact that it has such a, an operation to what it means to be the body of Christ. Uh, uh, Greg preached in Exodus 33 this past week. And he says uh, in that text where Moses is just begging God, don't, don't leave us. Don't, don't go. If, if he says, consider to that this nation, your people, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. This is the distinguishing feature of That's the it. people of God. It's not a certain gathering. It's not certain personalities that get together, but rather if God's there, that's the people of God. And, that's it. and we want to see God in our midst operating and working. So Amen. may it be so. Till next time, guys. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.